Warning! This podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions, and strong language. Welcome to Records and Bands. Leon is with us again. Um, When was the last time you were with us? It was about August, July. You came on to record Number of the Beast with us. Yeah, that's right. Yep, Number of the Beast. Which feels an age ago, and I really want you on regularly. So we'll talk about that later on. Yeah, 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 definitely. It was. It seems like such a long time ago, but um, it was. It was a good, good fun. We missed the trick, really, because we should have saved that episode for now. Because, like, in the next few weeks, it's forty years since Number of the Beast came out, so we went a bit about six months early on that one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but um, speaking of anniversaries, I did have a look through, and I found a few records that are celebrating notable anniversaries this week. This week in 1972, Neil Young's Harvest was released. Do you know Harvest? No, I'm not not a back catalogue person for a Neil Young, no. I, uh, no, it's, it's probably his, like, his biggest record, to be honest. Um, it's got Harvest on it, Man Needs a Maid, Alabama's on there, Needle and the Damage Done. But yeah, it's one of his biggest records, so that's 50 years old. Why? One I did find for you from 1977, so what's that, 45 years, it's making us old. Hazel's 45 in a couple of <laughs> weeks' time, so. Songs from the Wood, Jeffro Tull. Oh, right, okay, yeah, cool. Do you know that one? I, I've listened to virtually every Jeffro Tull album in, in my recent sort of like prog resurgence, but I could probably name you like one percent of what they've written <laughs> this is this is the thing though it's like this you're listening to stuff and when you listen on your phones and stuff now it's in your pocket you like if you listen to new stuff you don't see the name of the track you don't sit and do the record labels like you or the album covers like we used to do you exactly i think that's um that's one thing that alexa apple music uh spotify whatever it is you're listening to has done to the music listener instead of like we used to do we used to take out the sleeves and i used to photocopy the sleeves put them up, up on the wall so that i could see them and you know read the lyrics and things like that as i was um as i was listening to the album but also you would then get a ingrained uh, mnemonic peg in your head of what was coming next how long that was going to be what the intro sounded like now that doesn't happen and you'd you would remember the names because when you did a tape when you taped it for your mate you'd write them all out on the on the um, blank inlay of the uh, yeah, cassette. You would, yeah. So you'd write all the names of the tracks out in order, and then that would stick easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, a big album for me, which came out thirty years ago this week, is the first Manic Street Preachers album, Generation Terrorists, which I know isn't really your cup of tea, is it? But um, thirty years of motorcycle emptiness can't go by without um, mentioning it. You know, I was just about to say. Would it be impertinent to me to say, is that the one with, <laughs> with motorcycle emptiness? Because no, it is, yeah, it's yeah. literally like the song that if someone says the manics, they'll say that or design for life when they that's like the two ones. What else is on there, so that you because you're not massive into the manics, are you? No, you and you never were like, um, so you love us is on there. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Um, stay beautiful, no, there's a reissue of it where they've put suicide is painless on the end of it oh okay um but i think that might be an american issue or something right um but yeah so 30 years of generation terrorists not a bad thing and they're still going yeah so. absolutely there was a little bit of news came in overnight and again it might not be for you um but it does sort of roll into stuff we've been listening to recently okay so today like we're recording this at like three o'clock on a 
Friday afternoon. So at work this morning, I had to listen to Let's Face It by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Oh, nice. Because because they announced they split. They were splitting up last night. Oh, no. So um, I, I've been listening to that. Yeah, I know they've been touring because I've seen mm. sort of various things pop up on sort of, not low grade, but um, lesser known festivals and stuff. So they're still about. Um, I put, uh, what is it? Uh, Let's Face It is the album I put on. That's the, the big one with Rascal King and uh, the impression that I get. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I That's think. That's such a tune. Yeah. Impression I get is a great, and you know, it's just got everything that typifies them as a band, isn't it? You know, the brass, um, the, the walk-in sort of bass line, um, hint of, hints of reggae. It's got everything going on in that. It's It's such a great track. Yeah, and yeah, the brass is brilliant. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, that's my singing for this episode. <laughs> um, can I just do one birthday? Yeah, yeah, do a birthday. Yeah, man. Yeah, yesterday was um, Yannick Gers from Iron Maiden's birthday. Yeah, was he sixty-five or something? Yeah, sixty-five. Um, I think. Happy retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who thought he should have retired back in '92. <laughs> to be fair, when he joined Maiden, but uh, I'm not one of those. He's all right. I think. I think he's got a place, and I think um, you know he, he, he injects uh, an awful lot of energy into Maiden stage set. And at sixty-five, doing the things he's still doing, I think he, he's definitely got a place at the uh, uh, stage right of of Maiden stage. To be honest, so uh, yeah, leave him there. I'm glad you brought Maiden up because I wanted to get your thoughts on Senjitsu. So I re- we released the Number of the Beast episode around the time when that latest album was released. So that would have been around September. Yeah. And it seemed to be, there seemed to be a lot of press going on around Senjitsu. And then it all just sort of disappeared a bit. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I really struggled with it as a record. Oh, you've listened to it? Yeah, yeah, I have listened to it a couple of times, and I'm afraid it's just really, I just find it really, really long. Yeah. Now, there's a guy on YouTube, and I think he's actually been taken down now, but he's basically cut out all the repeated sections, all the bits that are superfluous to the production, and speeded it up by about 20 beats per minute. And the record comes in at something like 45 minutes. And I bet it's great. Everyone who's heard it said it's fantastic. It's been a long-awaited album, and considering they recorded it pre-pandemic, it's got an awful lot of references to what's our world become, uh, how are we going to survive in this, um, you know, the, the new world going forward, you know. Here it is, the writing's on the wall. Exactly, yeah. Um, mm. It's just kind of saying that we're our own, we're, our fate is in our own hands and we've got to do something about it. It was funny that that kind of dropped when it did because then COVID happened and stopped everything and they were no longer um, in charge of their own fates. <laughs> they couldn't release the album. They couldn't oh, so, so it was finished before the pandemic then? It wasn't a... Yeah, late 2019, I believe. Oh, cool. Right, okay. Because I, I just thought it was a pandemic record if you or a lockdown record, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they, they put it in a vault. Um, this is their, their words, not mine. Put it in a vault and no one listened to it for like 12 months knowing it was there everyone had known for for months that they'd done something because um nico was interviewed and he just said i'm not allowed to talk about it and it's like we've done something in it yeah <laughs> you know just mm-hmm. say no we've done nothing but he's not allowed to talk about it so he's gone and done it uh, they've gone and put the record together uh, uh, and just did nothing and then they said they went back and listened to it when they got it out of the vault to because the only person who had a copy was steve on his laptop um, so they, they, they put it back together, had a listen to it, and just kind of, they all sort of went, well, it's um, it's a finished article. There's something really special here. What do you think then? 
because I, 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 I struggled with it. So the version that I've got is 10 tracks mm-hmm. and it's like an hour and 20 minutes. And yeah, do you know what I would like? It, it, feel, it feels like it's an hour and 20 minutes of everything you want from an Iron Maiden album. Yeah. But every, everything you've heard on every Iron Maiden album before. And I'd almost like... I'd rather they, they gave me 40 minutes of them doing something completely different. See, now, when I listen to it first off, when I listen to Book of Souls, first song, If Eternity Should Fail, I literally, if the song rolled out, it finished, and I went, oh, bloody hell, that was a good start. First song out of the gate, and then that's how it continued all the way through. The only one I didn't really like was uh, Man of All Sorrows. Yannick has got this ability to write songs that just don't really go anywhere. Classic example was Fear of the Dark, Weekend Warrior one of the most hated songs of, of mm. Maiden's career. He and Steve generally have a good writing partnership. What Steve puts in uh, and what Yannick produces um, tends to be quite good, but I, I, Man of All Sorrows on Book of Souls didn't get. And also Empire of the Clouds, 18-minute long epic. Didn't really get it. Didn't really like it. Took me a while to really get into it, and then it's just not one that plays well because you've got to sit down, you've got to take it all in, and it's a long, long old track. But I'm not taking away the fact that it is exceptional it is very very good but i just haven't got is into it, it a bit like sourdough bread in that it's probably worth all the hassle but it's an awful amount of ball ache to get through that is you've just summed up in one phrase there how i feel about senjutsu there's an awful lot of work listening to that album and i could pick four songs out of there that four three three songs where i just went oh that was nice that was a good one and then listened to the rest of the album and thought well um i don't really get it i don't really get what they've tried to do got to the last song hell on earth and put the last song on probably 25 30 times because i identified with that one track mm-hmm. hell on earth for me is the best song on the whole album um just melody laden bruce's voice is good gallop um, Nico's drums sound amazing. It, it's just, it is very, very, it's a very good track. And I, I would love to see it live. Um, the other two tracks that I would say are probably standout are Stratego and Riding on the Wall. I was going to mention Stratego because I think they can definitely get the award for best song named after a board game. <laughs> Absolutely. Out of the whole album being a hardcore absolutely stone dead maiden fan three out of nine on the tracks are good so where would you would you rank it would it be in like it wouldn't be in your top five maiden albums uh the 17 they've released it's probably in the bottom seven yeah it's not top 10 that's for certain so a couple of things i've said to sam recently when we've been doing the podcast is that to me there's a lot of well first quickly on senjitsu i don't know if i can give it a fair assessment because i've been listening to loads of like 10 songs 30 minute albums yeah you know and and they're quite cool for the podcast because you can get from a number of times in an afternoon so you know suddenly you jump up to an hour and 20 minutes album Mm. that's a long haul especially when i've conditioned myself to you know short sharp stuff but what i've been saying to sam lately is that a lot of stuff seems really really produced Mm. and like the sound it's really polished even when like groups are supposed to be like have that punk feel to them they still sound more produced than i feel they should be and Mm. so i'm always looking for that sort of 
that little bit of raggedy edge, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and I found that recently on um, I stumbled onto Fontaine's DC. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Um, and their but like their second album was was quite polished, but the first one had that sort of raggediness to it that I really liked. That sort of DIY thing. Was that the uh, watching the Justin Hawkins thing that got you into that? Um, no, I'd stumbled onto them about. Um, I told Sam the story. I stumbled onto them about two weeks beforehand. Ah, right, okay. So, and I was going to come on to Justin Hawkins to talk to you about it as well. But um, this is the latest thing I've found on YouTube, and I think it's truly wonderful. And it is uh, Justin Hawkins from the Darkness's YouTube channel called Justin Hawkins Rides Again, and it's like a reaction channel, a commentary channel, and he watches music videos and then gives his opinion. And I think it's brilliant. And it's just him sat there talking, but it's just amazing. I can't stop watching it. What I also like about it is um, he's doing one thing. Um, he'll say what it sounds like. He'll play riffs from other songs and say it sounds like this. And I think, and I think he does a really good job of it. There was a spell of about three, three or four songs in the space of two weeks where they'd all seemingly copied Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. <laughs> and he's like, it's just the Pixies again. Yeah, he does, yeah. And he really does do that, because I noticed that on another one, um, two or three videos, and he went back to the same song, and I can't remember what it was. That wasn't the Pixies, that was something else. It was, um, I'll tell you what it was, Michael Jackson Thriller. It was two or three of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two or three of them, all Michael Jackson Thriller. And you think, how is that possible that three people release songs within the space of like X amount of each other, and they're all like rip-offs of um, Michael Jackson? That's crazy. Another thing I will say about it is, do you remember when we you were on the first time we spoke about um, the darknesses? Uh, was it Pinewood Smile that you Pinewood chose smile, after yeah. all this? Yeah. And I think I said something like, the thing with the darkness is someone's definitely having the piss taken out of them, but I'm not entirely sure who. Mm. And it's the same with his YouTube channel. I'm not always entirely sure that he's not taking the piss. There's moments when he's definitely taking the piss you can you can see it and hear it and you think yeah, yeah this, he's just literally but he says i've been goaded by my producer to yeah. listen to this and uh, he's now called it the be nice segment which is yes. really cool because he's just taking the piss what did you think of tramp stamp because i've listened to the ep and i to- told sam about it last night i think it's brilliant <laughs> is that the one with the the girls who are a bit like l7 he said he literally yeah, yeah, up, yeah, yeah 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 i actually thought it was really quite cool yeah but yeah i've just been listening to the ep like it's filthy absolute filthy <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely but um it, i was certainly better than what was it barumpa bump <laughs> i was just absolute shite <laughs> and did you see was it before forever or something honestly if they'd have turned the orange filter up on that screen anymore <laughs> Amazing. I'm glad you found it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, though. Oh, it's yeah. I think Justin is, um, he's certainly a character and he's somebody who, who isn't going to change. He's very outspoken. But there's times when I think he says something and I think, oh, the darkness for a little bit can be accused of, of doing what you've just said, actually, in fairness. Uh, so sometimes he's a little bit hypocritical, but I just I just love him because it, he, he does and says what he, what he wants and, and that's great. Yeah, he's talking about Sigur Ross today. Have you seen that one? I saw the interview, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, oh man, that is painful. Yeah, I, I, I listened to it this morning and it harks back to the interview when um, uh, Radiohead had released uh, In Rainbows. Uh, or it might have been Hail to Thief, actually. Um, and they went on Radio 2 and they were on with Joe Wiley. 
and Joe Riley says, oh, um, I'd like to welcome Radiohead into the studio. You can really hear that um, you've, you've, you've tried to go right back to the old ways, you know, playing guitar, stripped out a bit of the electronic. Are you, are you happy with how the music, how the album's come out? And Tom York just went, yeah. <laughs> right, I'm glad you brought Radiohead up. And this, <laughs> and, and this is going to go back to a conversation we started before I pressed record. So I think Radiohead are amazing. Absolutely. I think as, as artists they're fantastic like this year is 25 years since okay computer and i think that's probably one of the top 10 albums ever made i think in a radio 4 poll it was the best album ever made number one right hang on best album ever made yeah that's radio 4 that's the same people who read the guardian isn't it so yeah (laughs) (laughs) i read the guardian but hey you know so yeah radiohead are amazing Mm -hmm. and they're almost at the point of like national treasure i suppose yep and they're very, very much non-compromising mm-hmm. or uncompromising. And they're very, like, you would use the word integrity alongside Radiohead. One could never accuse Radiohead of selling out. I, I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I feel that they make a big thing about we don't sell out. Yeah. Can you remember where the first time I heard Radiohead was? Oh. Now then, I'm guessing, right, it would have been, because I didn't get into Radiohead until the Benz, which would have been, what was that, 90? 95, 96. 95, 96. 95, I think. Yeah. So it could have been when you moved in with Stav, possibly? No. The very first time I heard Radiohead was in your mum's back room. Oh, right. And you had just bought Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, and it came with a free CD. And on that CD, alongside Diggsy's Diner by Oasis, was Creep. Creep It was, yeah. Radiohead. Bloody hell, yeah, I remember that name. Yeah. So, for all their integrity, and all their, we're not going to sell out, and all their highfalutin we're artists don't you know ways i only ever associate them with donkey kong (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh that's a little bit on um justin hawkins and it will be a bit of a segue into um some highlights off of your list of records that you sent me um did you see um the new muse video because muse is on your Muse is on your list of favourite records. I just wondered what you thought of the new Muse, Muse song. I'm not a fan of Muse, so I just wondered what you thought about it. Uh, it's difficult for me because I, I love Muse. I thought Justin was very complimentary, thought it was a return to form. Yes, it is, in as much as it's, it gets really heavy and really dirty, um, which is in <clears throat> no small measure to Chris Walsenholm. He's got this ability to create sounds from his bass that are just like inhuman. Um, it, it's it's a great Muse record. Um, is it classic Origins of Symmetry showbiz? No, it's not. Is Origins of Symmetry, is that the one with Plugging Baby on it? Yeah. Because I think that was the last one of theirs I properly listened to. And then I was like, oh, I've had enough of this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And to a point, they kind of... They really lost their way around about Absolution. I kind right. of, I, again, I didn't want to listen to that album. Um, still haven't, haven't got back to listen to it properly. 
I kind of think that if I perhaps went back and listened to it, I might appreciate it a little bit more, but it's one of those ones that's passed me by, especially when they released drones and that was so fucking right. good. Yeah. Cause I, so I listen, I like showbiz. Like, was it Tom put us onto it? Like Tom Meek. Could, yeah. Yeah. It, um, Tom did. And he said to me, Oh, have you heard this band? And it's like, Oh, not really. I'll have a listen. And then I realized that I'd heard them months, 12 months before. Um, because I had a, I believe it was um, Raw. Remember Raw magazine before it went all teenage? Vaguely, yeah, vaguely, yeah. Raw was a proper metal magazine, real sort of hardcore metal magazine. And then there was turned... Metal Hammer and Kerrang were the ones I read regularly, and yeah. Raw I'd pick up every now and then. Yeah, well, Raw um, changed its face entirely to incorporate in like teen pop and stuff like that. And it was just shocking. The change was terrible. Um, Raw, I remember watching, uh, reading Raw, and th- it was either Raw, Kerrang! or Metal Hammer. One of them had a CD on the front cover, and the CD had uh, Muscle Museum on it by yeah. Muse. So th- I was just going <sighs> to pull again, you up a second, because yep. you um, you were talking, you, you said um, you thought Tom had Plug-In Baby, or, or Origin of Symmetry, which was 2001, yeah. but I definitely knew of them when I went off to Australia, and I, I, I wasn't... Oh, right. I wasn't hitting drums for you when I came back from Australia. Right, okay. It's before I went to Australia that we were knocking about with, like, you, me, and Tom uh, with the band. So, 99, so showbiz. It, it had to have been showbiz then. He yeah. Because I remember him. Because um, did we part ways in, like, 99? With Tom? I went to Australia. And then, no, when I came back from Australia, we did. Um, we were still trying to get something going again. Yeah. yeah. Certainly, you and him were trying to get something. You're at least trying to keep in contact because we all went out on the piss, yeah, yeah, a, a couple of the nights, and yeah, um, me and you ended up with um, a couple of young ladies, and Tom sat chatting to their friend, to their yeah. friend, yeah, um, and then I, I don't that. think I don't think I I, don't, I think that was the last time I saw Tom, but yeah. I, I think you, I think you and him kept in touch for a while after that, but then of course I fucked off again a couple of years after that again, didn't I? So. So yeah, Muse, Muse is exceptional. They're one of my favourites, and um, as I say, mostly down to the fact that Chris Walsenome is an absolute beast. So I wanted to get into a few records off of your list. So when you came on the first time, we asked you to choose some records to talk about, and then you made a big list of like twenty-five different records. I did, uh, and I was like, "Well, we we only needed three, mate." Um, there's a few on here we wanted to. I, well, there's a few I wanted to mention because what I don't want because. I have these grand plans of getting you on here as regular as possible. Yeah. And I don't want it to be, oh, Leon's on, they must be talking about Maiden or Prog Rock because, like, you listen to so much more stuff than that and you're, you know, you have you do have a wide range of yeah. listening tastes and, you you know, and so far, like, today's been quite Maiden heavy already. It's not going to be overall, but so far it's been quite Maiden heavy. We've done Number of the Beast. We spoke about Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. And I just want people to know that, you know, there's a lot more to you than Maiden. Absolutely. So I've got your full list here. I've written. I've rewritten it because <laughs> we lost it. <laughs> We've you've already spoken about a star is born in Pinewood Smile and yeah. Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and there are other Iron Maiden records on your list. There are. There's other stuff which I would call hard rock or heavy metal like mm-hmm. stuff like UFO. You know what? You know stuff that's sort of in keeping with the Maiden sound. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But there's a few that I've picked out, and 
I, you tell me if there's other ones that you want to talk about as well. But okay. just to give a bit more of a fuller range of some of the stuff that we were listening to when we were knocking about all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so obvious ones. So almost like one uh, records that we listened to together, and yet, and yet they would probably be close to our. You know, we both have mutual feelings for these records. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just quickly, the ones that I pulled out, and out come the wolves by Rancid. Yeah. Now, I would ask, how often do you listen to that nowadays? Rarely, mate. Rarely. I, I remember saying to a bloke at work about eighteen months ago. Have you heard Maxwell's Murder by Rancid? He said, "Oh, who are they?" I said, "Oh, here we go." So I played it on the on the audio at work, and he went, "Oh, yeah, I really like that because he's a big punk guy." Um, and that was the last time I played it. And prior to that, it was probably when we were knocking about together. All yeah, right, okay. I've got I've got a theory around some of these records as well, which okay. we'll, we'll come to. Okay, like. For me, I listen to Outcome of the Wolves every week. I think it's fucking brilliant. I, well, I, I certainly listen to Rancid every week. I reckon if they're not in my top three bands, they're in my top five. Okay. I think, and again, me and Sam were talking last night, and we said, do you know Rancid might be the greatest punk band ever? That's a fair statement as well, because certainly uh, longevity-wise, they, they've they've really put out a, a you know a, a body of work that's that's ongoing. This January was 30 years since they put out a their very first EP. It's known as the Bottle EP, and um, like you can't get hold of it. It was just a seven inch that was released on Lookout. They only did like 200 copies or something. Oh wow! Um, but like, so it's 30 years since the first recorded stuff of Rancid as a band, and obviously they've changed and evolved since then. But yeah. you've got the Bends on there, which is just a great album. Incredible, yeah. It, it, it's one that I've picked out, but is outside of my little hot take. Okay. One Hot Minute by the yeah. Chili Peppers. We had a bit of a chat on Facebook about um, Dave Navarro taking over for that album. Yeah. And I don't think that that record would sound anything like that with John Frusciante on guitar. Oh, absolutely not. I think it's a harder record than anything else the Chili's have done, and that's because of Dave Navarro. I think you're right, but what I also think is um, a bit of a tragedy is at the time they did a performance, I think, on some MTV awards show, and they did the first song off the album, which is so we warped, warped. That's it, warped. warped. Yeah. And the review in um, Kerrang, Metal Hammer, whatever it was, basically stated that the first song literally sounds like a band who are torn apart struggling to find their position with their new guitarist. And then they did a performance on MTV and they stormed off stage because Flea made a mistake and he was really beating himself up about it. And the internal anguish about having lost John Frusciante in the band played heavily towards getting rid of Dave Navarro and bringing Frusciante back. But I, I, I hate that. I don't buy that at all. See, I don't. As far as I understand it, and I, I, I'm, I'm repeating myself, I think we spoke about it on the podcast the other mm. night. Dave Navarro, Jane's Addiction, okay, mm-hmm. with notorious smackhead Perry Farrell. John, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. John Frusciante, notorious smackhead. I mean, there's shitloads of heroin going on in the Chili Peppers. Indeed. I mean, he, he's just replaced a guy that's fucking died from heroin. You yeah. Know? So John, John Frusciante's poorly. Yeah. Perry Farrell has put Jane's Addiction on hiatus. I've, if he's not in rehab, he's doing porno for pyros. Right, yeah, okay. 
and going around all the Palooza, I see Dave, Dave Navarro as a hired gun. As in, we need a guitarist for this record because yeah. a record company are on our ass for a follow-up. Because, like, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was 1991-ish, two. One or two. And then yeah. One Hot Minute is 1995 yeah, but they had to get one up minutes out in time for the uh, Beavis and Butthead movie. You see, so. Uh... <laughs> but you know, that was that wasn't until much later though. Beavis and Butthead was about ninety seven, wasn't it? Um yeah, but the um uh, yeah it was, but um still had Dave Navarro in the video, and it still had Dave Did Navarro. It? Oh right, okay. Yeah, so he was still part of, in the fold at yeah. the time. So I think it was kind of the, the record companies do this, don't they? They kind of go right. We've got an album. We put you down to record this song for this film um we need you to play this and this and this festival um so we need something hard ready to especially um uh, bands that are led by record companies that that they will have kind of their their next four or five years mapped out for them um i'm not saying that necessarily happens with the chili peppers but when you've got a band who are who suddenly go stratospheric off the back of an album like blood sugar sex magic the record company will be like right iron's hot let's strike and, I don't but, think Chili Peppers were massive until after Californication. I've, I mean, they were they were big in out in the alternative scene. Yes, but like Californication sent them headlining Reading. Yeah, like properly, like yeah, multiple festivals in a, in a year headliners. Definitely, where, I agree. Like there was about four years, maybe five years, where Chili Peppers were where like Foo Fighters are now, like yeah. the biggest rock band in the world. Yeah, and as big as they were off Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I don't think it was half as big as they got to around the turn of the century. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, but I think there was such a long time between albums and the sonic difference between One Hot Minute and Californication. What I think a lot of people got on board with the new sound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I definitely jumped on board with Californication. Um, thought it was a fantastic album. Um, that was the last one I really listened to. Ditto. What was what was the one? Stadium, Arcadium. Uh, there was By the Way in between, wasn't there? Oh, by, I bought By the Way because yeah. the first album was the first song on that was um, By the Way, and it yeah. had a shit up bassline. Absolutely incredible. Loved it. Starts off with a bassline. You can't say fairer than that. And By the Way was a great album. Listened to it. Um, really started to switch off when it was things about flying away on your Zephyr and stuff like that. I thought I'm really not into that bollocks. It's 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 pretty. It's nice. Um, didn't really challenge at all. Um, and it's at the point when Flea started saying, oh, "I think um, playing less is more," which is which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Less is definitely more, but not when Flea is one of the best slap funk bass players on the planet. Why would that person stop doing the thing that he's iconic for? And that's when I started to think, hang on a minute, that this guy has got the chops and now he wants to do basically single note routine, which is just not where I'm at with that band. Um, and then Stadium Arcadium came along and I can honestly tell you, I don't know one song off it. I've no, never no, I, it. no, I give it up on it. So I, I was surprised that One Hot Minute was on there and not Blood Sugar Sex Magic. But then I suppose we would we were 16 in 95 and that's when we would have been well into everything mm. music wise whereas 91 when we're 12 yeah you're not you know you're into what you're into and you're not quite as exposed to 
Yeah. Everything else. There's another reason it's on my list. Uh, my list isn't necessarily a list of 25 of my favourites. And, and obviously the, the reason that the list exists is because, um, is it um, NME did the top 25 or something you were talking Rolling about? Rolling Stone, yeah. Rolling, Rolling Stone magazine, yeah, top 25 albums. So I thought I'd do, I'd do a 25 albums that I've listened to. But they've all got different reasons for being there, like showbiz. Uh, by Muse is there because it got me into the rest of what they were, were producing and a lot of the albums that are on here are on the there for that very reason Seventh Son Maiden first album I listened to of Maiden's got me into them a lot of respect for that album really put me there listening to their stuff Resident Alien by Space Hog first album they released first album I listened to song off that in the meantime listen to that endlessly and listen to that whole album end- endlessly and it put me on to buying their uh follow-ups i haven't they've got more albums which I have yet to get hold of and they've all kind of done that that's the reason ducky got me into buying all their stuff all hell's breaking loose by wolfsbane exactly the same reason listened to it loved it started buying their back catalogue and that's why a lot of these people are on there because they have garnered an interest beyond that individual record the other one on just off you this it really jumped out for me and i get into my hot take now is um resident alien by space hog and i honestly could tell you despite you having it on loads when we were younger, yeah. I couldn't, other than um, in the meantime, I couldn't have told you never sung on there. And I put it on the other day, and I know in the meantime is the first song, but straight away I was like, I know why Leon likes this. Yeah. And and it was the bass. Yeah, bum, 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 All these ones I've picked out, so obviously Matt Friedman from Rancid, <clears throat> Flea from Chili Goodness. Peppers, then, like, on your list as well, you've got, like, the Queen Greatest Hits and, like, the bass is really prominent in Queen stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, but a lot of your records that you, you, you put in here, they're really bass-driven. Yeah, absolutely. And no that doubt. doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know, complex bass lines or bass-led, but the bass is always there. Yeah. I think it's got a lot to do with the mixing of records also because they are higher up in the mix. A lot of the things I listen to are higher up in the mix. So I was wondering, was were you drawn to these records because you're a bass player or were you drawn to play the bass because of some of these records? That's a really, really good question. Um, I started playing bass when I was 15. Mm Mm-hmm. So that'd be 1994. Four, yeah. So that predates a lot of these records without really knowing that for years before I'd picked up on bass, which is why things like... Um, well, the Queen stuff, isn't it? Yeah. See, I've put Queen 1 and 2 on there because I think uh, the greatest hits. I've not listened to albums by Queen apart from Night at the Opera, but greatest hits 1 and 2 I, I, I owe a lot to because mum and dad played it an awful lot. Um, and what it taught me was th- that you can write songs about anything if they've got a catchy hook, um, if they've got great musicianship. I think one of the first songs on Greatest Hits 1 is like, if it's not We Will Rock You, not We Will, yeah, it's either We Will Rock You or Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, I think it is Another One Bites the Dust. And that's so basic, that's really basic. And by the end of number two, is it, it's probably something like Innuendo. I was about to say Innuendo. Or like it might even be The Show Must Go On. Yeah. And that's when they, they start moving away from the sort of rockier stuff to more proggy sort of... Um... Well, you get stuff on Greatest Hits 2. is like Who Wants to Live Forever's on there. And yeah. then there's also stuff from around 86, like um, One Vision. 
yeah. the I, that was on Iron Eagle, you know, the, the soundtrack. Um, this this is how much my dad exposed me to it. I haven't listened, I haven't listened to Queen since I stopped getting driven around by my dad <laughs> because he just always had it in the car. It's kind of magic. It's on the second one. Yeah, and um, I'm going slightly mad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's on there. That, but I think that was on two. Yeah, but it was. I think that was on Innuendo. That's on one of the last albums. Yeah, because he looked, yeah. Re- he looked really poorly in the video. He did. Yeah, yeah. Hammer to fall. That's a great song. That's off Highlander as well. We used to watch Highlander loads, me and you. Except when your dad was on nights and then you get shouted at for making the slightest bit of noise. Shouted at for sneezing and fucking hell. Yeah, it was, yeah. But... <laughs> Fair enough, like. Yeah, it was, but, you know. Um... Dare, Dare played darts when your dad was on nights. Get fucking killed, like. You remember string us up. Yeah, yeah. Even so much as walking in the upstairs yeah. bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Shut up! What are you doing in the house? <laughs> Fuck off. Your dad's asleep. Fucking hell. Yeah. Five o'clock, lazy bastard. Which is where which is where the, the splitter headphones came in, wasn't it? You know, we could see yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Speaking of which, they're all right, are they? What's that? Your mum and dad. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, all good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good. So yeah, just just to say, um, my music, uh the reason I play bass is for the obvious reasons that I didn't think I could play six strings, so I bought a bass. Started playing bass and I started playing along with certain songs in my bedroom um through uh, I used to plug my, I used to get a, an adapter down and I had a Panasonic uh, stereo, Ghetto Blaster, as they used to call it back in the day. And it had a microphone input at the back. So I used to plug my bass into the back of it and put a pair of headphones on. And it used to squeal like a bitch when I was playing it. And it sounded amazing. It was really distorted, really heavily distorted. But you could, it was a way of playing. I didn't really have an amp. Um, so that was a way of playing for me to listen to it. So yeah, um, bass came first. The realization that I've been listening to bass music for many years prior to that and didn't realize it, uh, that happened. So. And were you then, once you were playing the bass, were you, do you feel you were then drawn to stuff that was bass led because it was that's what you, or was it still the case of you like what you like and if it's got a cool bass line, that's great, that's a bonus? I think there's a little um, formula where I instantly kind of go, oh, like this. It's clean vocals, mm-hmm. first and foremost. You want to listen to Beyonce, man? She's amazing. She is good, in fairness. Yeah, uh, yeah she, she, she is. I've, I've listened to a lot of her stuff. Um, Sasha Fierce is, is an exceptional. We've got a very, spe- we've got a very special guest coming on the show in a couple of weeks' time to talk about that album. Uh, my Beyonce, 12, my no, my tw- <laughs> yeah, that Beyonce album. My twelve-year-old daughter is going to come on and tell us why it's her favorite album. Oh, tidy. That's great. No, no, I, I, honestly. Um, you saying that, thinking I'd probably go, oh, fucking hell, mate. Not not Beyonce, but no, I appreciate um, a lot of the stuff she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she's an exceptional musician. And Sorry, yeah. So um, I think I look at bass playing very differently to you. Okay. How do because you obviously I, I don't play bass. Yep. And so it doesn't always stand out to me, but there are some amazing bass lines. Yep. Like, obviously, a lot of the Rancid stuff is very bass heavy. Matt Friedman's an exceptional bass player. Mm. But the ones like the ones that really stand out to me, I love. I love Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam. Yeah, I, I, like I can hear I can hear a Jeff Ament bass line a mile off. Okay, even when he goes off and does stuff with his side project Random, which is a bit more punky and a bit different, I, you can tell it's a Jeff Ament bass. Okay, um, but then it's people like Duff McKagan. Yeah, yeah, got his own sound. Yeah, 
and Nicky Wire from the Manics and Kim Deal from the Pixies. And those three, for me, it's more about the style and the swagger that they bring on stage. Yeah. It's almost as if part of playing the bass is that you're a bit of an outsider. You're that, you know, you're going to bring that. Yeah. Some that something to the mix on stage, and I think like Duff McKagan, Kim Deal, and Nicky Wire all do that. Yeah, they all bring that presence, and that, that's the way I look at it. Like a lot of the Pixies bass lines are just the roots of the chords, mm. like like um, dung 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 you know over and over, and like gauge away. Um, after the first first verse. It's just the rolling bass going over and over. And honestly, when they do it live, they'll do it for like two minutes. Yeah. Just the bass, the, but just the bass and the drums going. I think it's the sound. And again, it's not complex. It's just the roots. Yeah, but it's it's that type of bass playing. It's almost, uh, I hate the word mantra. No, no, I know it's what you're getting It's kind at, of though. that rolling sort of like, it's almost like a chant. That bass line. I almost said tantric, but that's something very different. <laughs> different yeah but it is it's that kind of almost like hypnotic role of and that's what instantly people gets people's heads going so in in the couple of months that i've had that bass guitar that's hanging up behind me um because i'm sure you can remember my attempts at playing stuff with strings before and i am better 20 years on um but so i can play on the bass i can play some pixie stuff but the one i was most proud of, of the other day i can play it on the bass and i can play it on the guitar i can play the lead stuff on the guitar is um push it by salt and pepper <laughs> nice job Don't so you. that's my that, i can now play that so if you ever want to jam that we can <laughs> we can do that at some point so you've made me a playlist of a few songs that we're going to link to in the show notes of some of your favorite bassy Bassy tracks or songs that inspired you to play bass or stuff that the bass is prominent or just all about the bass. All about the bass. Um, things, a lot of these I've played. Yeah, because there's a difference between listening to stuff and actually getting on stage and playing it live. Yeah. See, now I, I don't necessarily play the verbatim of what we do. Our entire set list is made up of like stuff that everybody knows, but I can't honestly say I walk on and play a verbatim bass line, which, you know, a lot of people who who perform might turn around and go, mm, okay, no, he's not playing that right. But I've learned to live with the fact that it's I, about feel, isn't it? it yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to play. What is the point of learning something by ear? Um, if I read music and learned to play this thing by what's on the sheet, I would play it verbatim because that was what was written down. But I'm learning to play it by ear. And by playing by ear, you don't necessarily learn everything exactly. You learn more the feel of the thing. So that's how I play. I play by feel. I just know that when I'm playing, people are enjoying it and they're enjoying it because of what me and my drummer are putting together. And then the whole of the band, none of us are virtuosos, but what we do want to do is um, just try and move something inside somebody that makes them want to move their feet. And that's great. That's where we are. Um, so my five bass songs that do that for me, that I didn't realise did it for me until I started doing it. <laughs> you sent me a list of eight. So this is going to be interesting to which you've narrowed down. Hey, um, I'm going to have to give you seven. I can't remember what the eighth one is. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, but the seven, first bass line I ever learned was Slade come on feel the noise and 
That is a stunning baseline. A syncopated lead break on the bass. It's fucking stunning. Sam was saying he was writing some stuff for his new EP the other week and um, went away for, for a minute and came back and he was like, I've just rewritten Come On, Feel The Noise. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a stomper. It's an absolutely fantastic track. You can't knock it. It's been recorded, re-recorded by Saxon. Didn't Girls Allowed or someone do Come On, Feel The Noise? Yeah, someone did, yeah. Someone like that. And it's a stunning bass line. It is literally like a syncopated lead break. It's beautiful. Number two on my list, Murders in the Room Org by Iron Maiden. Is there a better intro for the bass that Maiden have ever done? I don't think so. Stunning. Not a better Maiden one, though, no. No, not a better Maiden intro. That is just... um, It's great. It just hits all the right notes in all the right places. And then when... In the right order. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's great. Um, I... That's off Killers, isn't it? Killers, yeah. I think it's yeah. um, it's the second track after Ides of March, I believe. Number three, Sir Psycho Sexy. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Another yeah. another early baseline I learned when I was when I was young. So that's off Blood Sugar Sex Magic, isn't it? That's it towards is. the end of the album as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it it is right literally about. Or four fifths of the way into the album. Yeah, it's another it's another filthy song. Yeah, there's songs that I learned throughout that album. Um, that was a great album for bass learning. Um, Didn't we try and do um, scar uh, not scar tissue? It uh, could have lied or something like that once in the yeah, band. Yeah, we did. did. We try that. Yeah, I remember playing it, and the bloke came in. I was learning to play it, and he, he, he guy walked in. and He says, "Are you playing Bloody Blah by Bloody Chili Peppers?" It's like, "Yes, mate." <laughs> it's always nice when someone recognizes what you're playing <laughs> and it just i remember just thinking wow it, often, it sounds like what it's supposed to sound like that's a real it don't happen very often for me though <laughs> so yeah that was a great one for me so um the whole album was a real good one i remember learning to play under the bridge and give it away and stuff like that it, it, yeah but that was one that yeah. really stuck out for me the next the next two the, the, if it's the same ones in the if it's in the same order as what you sent me, I was actually surprised to see. Yeah, um, honest. This goes back to before I discovered Maiden. Um, back to your Bobby Brain, my prerogative days. Yeah, back to my Bobby Brain days. I'm never going to let you forget that. If you came on this podcast every week for the next year, <laughs> then I'd mention it every week for the next year. Okay, so number four is the way you make me feel by Michael Jackson, and the reason I. Um, I put that in there is because without realizing it, that was one of the songs that I hadn't heard Bob in before anything else in the music started. And having listened to it, I, I put it down because I thought I, I listened to that a lot. And my brother had the seven inch of it and I stuck it on an awful lot and just played it on his record player when he wasn't looking. And I loved it. And I couldn't realize, couldn't fathom why, but then I listened to it the other day when I was trying to make this list of five and it was bum, 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 bum. I thought it was bass. But it's not overly compl- complex or complicated, and it is all about feel, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And the, the way you make me feel, it, again, it's a beautiful piece of songwriting by um, Jackson and his collaborative group. Definitely. And then, obviously, the next one, which you've told me, is Billy Ocean. Oh, I love Billy Ocean, and always have done. I thought he was um, incredible back in those early days. You know, get out of my dreams get into my car my car just yeah. incredible and then the going gets tough i mean what an incredible bass line and could... am i leaving my vocal in yeah definitely man <laughs> fuck yeah 
it's it's but it's that's your expression of of that song and yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It, it, he's just got at that time he was on fire there was nothing he released that didn't get into my head um i love billy ocean moving on from that we go on to number six which is space hog in the meantime Bum, bum, bu- bu- ba- da- you da- fucking da- loved da- them when we were kids. I still do. You, uh, like, yeah, no, I, but it's a, it was like one of those bands that I think there's quite a few bands that, or I felt there was quite a lot of bands that I liked and you didn't. Yeah. And there was fewer bands that you liked but I didn't, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm sure that's different now, but they were one of the ones that you got into and I didn't really. Yeah. Whereas... Like everything else you got into, I really liked. See, I was very much under your wing. Yeah, and convert uh, total opposite to that was stuff you were listening to. I just couldn't get into. Def, no. Deftones, um, Beastie Boys. I, I, I listened to Deftones a couple of weeks ago. It's fucking hard work. It was. I I couldn't get into them. I could, I just couldn't. I I don't know what it was. Um, uh, there's been many a podcast that i've listened to where they said you really need to go back and listen to this by deftones and i've gone back and i thought i still don't like it i don't know why um so yeah uh moving on so in the meantime we've gone completely off kilter there yeah 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 yeah. sorry in the meantime by space hog um they they just happened to come along um at, at, at a time when i was really perce- uh, really um receptive to a lot of different things and i like that i like that album resident alien but then their next album which was Chinese album completely changed everything. It was melodic. It was well crafted. They had um, a couple of guest vocalists on there. Michael Stipe being one of them from REM. All right. Almond Kisses was the name of that song. Beautiful song, beautifully written. So moving on from that, another amazing bassline. Oh, uh, where it's almost the bassline, isn't it? Where do you go from this? I mean, there's nothing else you can add other than. Sir Duke by the absolutely astonishingly good Steve V Wonder. That bass line, uh, that bass rather, um, the album, Songs in the Key of Life, is there an album that presents the need for bass lines better than that entire album? It's absolutely dripping, isn't it? It's amazing. Like, And what can I say? Um, every song... Contusion's good as well, isn't it? That's a hell of a bass line on Contusion. Even the first song, straight out of the bloody gates yeah loves in need of love today beautiful bass line and he doesn't he doesn't play the same thing twice i mean as a bass player you're sat there and you say to yourself i've got to keep the groove i've got to keep it tight i've got to keep playing i've got to i can't miss beats i've got to drop back to the the root note for for the for the one and that guy does none of these things but still manages to create an absolutely astonishing bass driven record sir duke is a brilliant song uh, it, it, when I'm playing in the band, it's put on in between when we have our breaks. It's a great album. It's a great album. And that, that's Sir Duke. How do you write something that f- rolls out? Music is an opportunity. That whole kind of roll of that. And then it stops. And you think, what's going on here? Oh, man. And it just carries on and on and on. And the bass player is doing all this stuff. He's not necessarily playing the same stuff as the brass section in in places. He... They're just all vibing off each other, aren't they? And again, it's, it's it comes back to feel. It's just got absolutely everything going on. It's it's a wet dream of a song. 
oh, I, I cannot say how many times I've listened to that song and thought, is that the most perfect song that's ever written? Is it? Because I, th- I think it is. There's nothing touching it. It's up there, isn't it? I, th- I, think, as an, I think it's probably, I'm not saying it's one of my favourite albums. It's not one of my go-to albums. But in terms of, like, I can still say it's probably one of the top five best albums mm. as a piece of music. Oh, stunning. Like, I think, it, yeah. yeah. I don't listen to it often enough, but so, it's great. So Sir Duke is definitely there. These aren't in any order, by the way. They're just songs that, that I know. Um, but Sir Duke is, is, is in my psyche as being a reason for picking up and playing bass and things that I sort of think, oh, man, playing that is a real achievement for any bass player. It, it's just mm. a, a lovely feel, lovely sensibility on that song that just keeps going. And what was my eighth? I forget what my... Is it... Um, Something by Queen? Uh, no, Paul Simon. Oh, call me out. Yeah, call me out. Yeah, if you'll be my bodyguard. But it, it's 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 where the flea statement of less is more, because mm-hmm. that is exactly what this guy's doing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's bum 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 bum, bum bum bum. He's not doing anything in particular, but it's riffing off. I will be your bodyguard, and you will. Be, oh, you could be my bodyguard, and I will be your long last pal. Bum 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 bum. He's not doing anything. He is just... It's, it's, it's call and answer, isn't it? It is call and response. It's blues. Call and response. Yeah, it, it, it's blues in its, in its um, you know, rawest form. It's got that whole kind... It, although it's not blues, it's something very different to blues, but it's got that sensibility. I, 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 we spoke about doing that in the band, actually, uh, Call Me Out, and I've the, the early bits of... are very easy, and I can yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah. Well, but I'm not a thumb player. I, I desperately try to do thumb. I do bits of thumb, but it's it's really watered down. And it doesn't do thumb justice. There's people who play thumb beautifully, and I don't. So um, I'm I'm a melodic plodder. I've got to say, um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, call me out. So so I will put a play. I'll put this together in a playlist for Apple Music, and I'll put links in it in the show notes and on the website, so cool. you can all go and see. I'll probably call it call it all about the bass or something like that. I don't know Bateman's bass bonanza. Or... <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll work on a. I'll work on a name that is less shit. <laughs> Again, before you go, I'd like to leave you with something, and I'll play it on the acoustic because it will come across better on my shitty mic. I've been practicing, so it goes like this. Nice. Here we go. Oh, push it. Push it. Push it real, real good. good. Bam. 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 <laughs> Yeah, and, I, and on that note, <laughs> and on that note, I shall say goodbye. <laughs>